Our staff got together last night for our annual Christmas party, and we had a blast, a lot of fun. And uh, one of the things we always do, it's a tradition every year, is the grab bag gift exchange. It gets kind of violent sometimes. But one of the gifts that was given was quite epic. Um, to call it a work of art would be like calling Niagara Falls simply a river. This, this, this is simply amazing. Um, Leah unwrapped this thing, and I, when it was my turn, had to steal it because it was just so amazing and so epic. Now, I'm going to kind of show it to you, but then there's going to be a picture on the screen, too, because you can't really make it out. But there it is up there. It is, I don't know exactly what to call it, but I guess Rock Jansen's, or the Jansen's Rock. or I don't, It's kind of the, uh, the Mount Rushmore of collision, maybe. I don't, I don't quite know, but here's what happened. DB, DB, this, this great guy who played keyboard for us tonight. He plays guitar, plays the spoons. He's very talented, but he's just an awesome guy, and... And DB decided that rather than just getting like some kind of gun or some kind of bag of candy, that, that he would creep on my family on Facebook and uh, he would find a picture and he cut the picture out and then he went out into his yard and got five smooth stones. And he somehow mounted our face to them and mounted them to this box and gift wrapped this. And it, it, it's just this strange wonder. I'm going to be building a mantle in my living room where it's going to keep it on display at all times. And the interesting thing about this is if someone had just come up to me, or if I had walked up to my office and here was this box of face rocks on my desk, I would have just been creeped out and probably called the cops. But being that DB made this is really awesome because the reason it's so awesome is there's a lot of backstory between our families. Lots over the years of practical jokes, of all kinds of crazy fun stuff that we've done together. And so for me to get this, I had to win this back. My family must own this, okay? It must be on display permanently because of the backstory, because of the relationship because of our family history and the fun we've had together. And guys, the point of this series can be found in this little story here. Because the truth is, is that when we talk about our salvation, which we've been talking about for five weeks now, we talk about our salvation, so often it's like, cool, I'm saved. It's like, awesome. I mean, I I got this gift. You know, if somebody gave me this gift, I would unwrap it and be like, okay, a little creepy, but here it is. Uh, I don't quite know what to do with it. But the reality is, is that there's backstory here, and so I appreciate it. And what we've been trying to get across is that in your salvation, there's tremendous backstory. That it wasn't just the day that you knelt or you prayed or you realized God was real. And wow, I'm saved now. How cool. See, the truth is, is there's all this backstory. There's all this stuff that God's done in the background of your life that if he hadn't done it, you never would have been saved in the first place. And just like I appreciate this box of otherwise useless material, I appreciate this because of the backstory. And I want you, in your salvation, to appreciate the backstory, to appreciate what Jesus has done, what God has done, to actually bring you to the point of salvation. Because that's when we appreciate stuff. It's when we realize what went into it. When we realize this wasn't just a decision I made one day, that, wow, God has done some beautiful things that otherwise would be impossible for me to be saved. And so we've been talking about all kinds of amazing things. The, the fact that God chose you and enabled you to choose Him. The fact that He brought your dead heart to life when you hated Him. When you hated Him. When you wanted nothing to do with Him. We've talked about how He sees you now legally as owing nothing. As pure and holy. The fact that He adopted you. That was one of my favorite messages I've done in a long time. Not, not, not like, oh wow, my messages are so great. But, but being able to study and get ready for last week's message and talk about how God adopted us was just an amazing thing for me. I enjoyed it so much. Here we are, these rebellious kids, these kids who hate and want nothing to do with God. And he says, yeah, yeah, I'll adopt that one. Yeah, I want him or her. 
to be mine, and I'll give my life to make that possible. So exciting. Now tonight, I want to continue to talk with you about all that God's done. And tonight's exciting for me, because um, one of the things I love to do, and one of the things God just put in me, not because I'm cool, but God's going and just wired me this way, is I love to encourage, and I love to cast vision, and I love to say, we can do it, we can get there, where we're supposed to go, where we want to be, we can get there. And tonight, I want to tell you that your salvation has made that possible for you. You see, when it comes to you and I, we all look at aspects of our lives and say, I feel like I'm completely stuck in a current or, or uh, even maybe past sin struggle. I feel like this certain thing or that certain thing just owns me. It defines me. It's become who I am. It, it, it's, it's almost synonymous with my name. You know, I, I think that's one of the, the biggest things that, that hurts us when it comes to our sin struggles. It's almost that we just can't escape almost the identity that's formed around us as we jump into porn or as we jump into gossip or as we are suddenly more and more dragged into certain kind of idolatry or just addiction habits or whatever it might be. These sin struggles, it's not just the sin struggle, you see. It's the identity that comes with it. It's the, the way it defines our lives and it seems to grip on and never let go. And tonight, guys, I want to tell you that there's hope. I want to tell you that the sin struggles in your lives, the patterns of your life, the, the things that seem to be, have become your identity, the things that seem to define you don't have to define you for the rest of your lives. We all know what it's like to think about a certain sin and think of a person attached to it, you know? Um, I think back to middle school, and I think of Timmy the Temper. Timmy the Temper was one of the guys in our middle school, and this guy, you just didn't mess with him, man. I mean, God forbid you thought your fruit or his fruit roll-up was yours. He was coming after you, bro. I mean, you had to go into the janitor closet, break a broom, and be ready to fight. It was, it was time to go, you know. This kid just had it in him. He was just so angry. He was hanging out over my house one day. And um, my mom calls down the steps and says, Doug, Susie's on the phone. Only problem was, was he was dating Susie, and she was calling to talk to me. And so I was like, oh, Grandma, Susie, Ma? You know, I've been trying to play this thing off because I knew Timmy the Temper wasn't going to have any of it, you know? And so just this guy, you just knew. It was, it was defined. It was predecided. You were in trouble if you messed with this kid. Then there was Natalie the Liar. Natalie the Liar. She would always make stuff up. I mean, it was like, how many times have you met, met Michael Jordan again? Could, could you tell us that one again? And he plays center field for what team? You know, I mean, she just clueless, just always making junk up, right? And just completely out there. And if you think back to middle school, right, some of you guys can go, oh, yeah, I remember this guy. He was such and such the proud or such and such the pervert or whatever it might be. But before we're too tough on them, right, don't think about them. That's bad. That's bad. <laughs> before, before we're too tough on them, we have to think about ourselves, right? We have to realize that maybe in the same way that those people were labeled, that, man, there were certain struggles in our own lives that, that had us. You know, I mean, just to be honest with you guys tonight, Thinking back to my middle school and high school years, I mean, being real with you guys, porn was an issue in my life. I remember sitting in my friend's living room with three or four other guys who I grew up with in, in church, and we were great friends, and we were guys who probably everybody will, would have looked at at that point in our lives and said, man, these guys love Jesus. There's no compromise in their life. They're just going for it. I just remember sitting there with the four of these guys and just watching filth on the TV and having no issue with it. I remember waking up the next day, you know, with some remorse and being like, why, why did I do that? Why does it seem to define me? Why does it seem to own me? Why is it that I didn't stand up? Why, why didn't I change the channel or do something about it? And the reality was in that moment, I just, I just let it happen. And that was much of the story of my life in middle school and high school. Another one I can think of back is, is legalism. Is, there was a, a lot of me that wanted to kind of 
earn my, my way toward God. I was trying to earn his favor, you know? And, and this was having grown up with an understanding of Jesus and what he'd done for me. And yet there was still something in me that made me sort of go for it and, and try to really make sure that I was doing my part so that God would be, would be approving of me. And I, I was just talking with a friend last week, actually, who kind of joked with me about that time in my life. Obviously, I was labeled. I was defined. I was owned by that sin struggle. And I remember with those certain struggles, I remember just thinking like, all right, am I going to get out of this? You know, I remember, I remember the weight of the legalism. I remember the guilt and the shame of the porn and of the, the, the lust. And I just remember, okay, I know it's wrong, but now what? I, I know God, you know, supposedly loves me and he sees through all this stuff and somehow forgives me and all that stuff. But, but like, is it ever going to change who I am here? You know, is, is my flesh and bone ever going to become somebody who is not stuck with this identity of being a legalist or someone who's looking at porn and all this kind of stuff? And so tonight, I want to say to you, I want to say to your struggles that God wants to do something, that your salvation, this is so exciting, your salvation addresses this. What God's done in the backstory of your life addresses what I'm talking about tonight. The things that own you today don't have to own you forever. The things that you feel identify you and define you don't have to forever. Some of you guys are going to realize tonight that you've experienced God and you didn't even know it. Because you're going to look back, I hope, by the end of this message and look at the areas of your life and realize that, wow, maybe God has already even started to free you from some of these struggles more than you realized. And so I'm excited for tonight because there's huge, huge potential. And the beautiful thing is, is all this comes out of this relationship with Jesus and your salvation. If you're not a Christian, we're so glad that you guys made it out tonight. And I just want to let you know that what we're talking about applies to every person in this room and is 100% available to you, even if you right now would say, oh, I don't believe in this God stuff or this Jesus stuff. And so hang in there with us. So let's look at, at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 11 and like this whole series, and I did not do this on purpose, but this whole series, it has started out bad news and then good news. So hang with me for the bad news, and we'll get to the good news, all right? So verse 9 says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So there's good news up front, right? He's basically saying, all right, if you're not righteous, then you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You, you cannot have salvation if you're not righteous, right? And, and, and that leaves us all in a horrible place because none of us is righteous. And if that weren't bad enough, he, he starts to get real specific here. He says, and the next part, do not be deceived, neither the, the sexually immoral. So the sexually immoral, those, those like me who had issues with porn, had issues with lust, those who sleep around, those who think, you know, Jesus says, if you think it, it's as if you've done it. And we're all done, right? He says, so the, the sexually immoral can't inherit the kingdom of God, nor idolaters. Well, it's an idolater. I mean, back in the day, it was people who used to make images out of wood and stone and they'd worship and they'd sacrifice to and sing to these these stones and these idols and, and and we think today we're like that's whack why would you you know go down and you know bow down to a tree like that's so weird but today we just do it in a different way right we worship sports and we worship money and we worship good grades and we worship relationships and and it's just anything we we, we love more than god anything we're more passionate about more than jesus and so again we got to find ourselves on this list and say man there's some, there's some issues of unrighteousness here. Next says, 
nor adulterers. So an adulterer is someone who's sleeping around, sleeping with somebody else's spouse, nor men who practice homosexuality. And I've got to bring this up because uh, the church at large has made this its own thing. You know? Like, I, I want you to really notice the other things on the list around the, that word. Like, I would guess that probably every one of us in here has struggled with one of the sins on this list today. And yet, we seem to spotlight this one specifically. Now, it's on here, but I would say that we need to change, and this kind of is off topic for a second, just the whole attitude and outlook of the church. I'm not saying our church specifically, but the church at large. And begin to say, okay, this is not like a separate, like, bad category for God. Like, it's right here with what we're going to get to next. And we need to really be careful how we're portraying God's view of people who might struggle with this. Verse 10. Nor thieves. Next one. Nor the greedy. Nor drunkards. Nor revilers. A reviler is just someone who smears somebody's name through the mud. A swindler. This means you steal or cheat. And he finishes, he says, will inherit the kingdom of God. So, so none of these people will inherit the kingdom of God. And see, here's the problem. Is that you and I have for, forever said, well, that's who I am. Then I'm done. I, I am a cheat. I am an adulterer. I am lustful. I am a gossip. I do smear people's names through the mud. I, and, and now I'm defined by that. And that's who I am. That, that's my existence. That, that's what I've become, is that kind of a person. And now we get to the good news. Verse 11. It says, and such were. See that middle word there? Such were some of you. See, that's what you were. The word were literally means to be, or it's an it's, it's, a, it's existence. It has to do with how you existed. And, and he's saying, look, you once existed. And I want you to get this tonight. You once existed as a liar. That was you. I could have defined you that way, God says to us. You, you once existed as an adulterer or as a fornicator or as an idolater or as greedy or that's who you were. It owned you. It did. There's, there's, no, there's no argument here. But he's saying that's what you were. You used to be that. I think maybe for some of you, the most powerful news you can hear tonight is that if it's what you were, then it's not what you are now. That those things that define you, those things that held you, those things that you identified with, and maybe were labeled by, by people around you, is no longer what you are. Now, we're not perfect. I mean, even Paul called himself the chiefest of sinners. So there's still a struggle going on. But here's what I want you to understand. You don't exist as a liar anymore. Like, that's, not your def- that's not what defines you. You don't exist. You're not defined. It's, it's not your label anymore. Because that's what you, you were. So what are you now? What's, what's gone on? The next part says, but you were washed. See, you were washed. See, Jesus died and he rose again and he washed you of that label. He ripped that label off of you. And he gave you a new label. And he said that you're clean and you're pure. He said, like we talked about in justification, he sees you as pure and holy, like regeneration. He gave you a new heart. And so that person, that person that was remember dead and stuck in their sins, hating God, hating what was good and hating what was right, see, that's not you anymore. God's begun to give you a new nature. He's begun to do a new thing in your life. 
And so he's washed you. And, and, and I want you to see something. Because what's exciting to me is, is a lot of times we think of salvation as this thing God once did in our life. I want you to see something that he's still doing as a part of your salvation. He says in the next part, you were sanctified. You were sanctified. I realize that's kind of like a big scary word. But really all it means is that you're being made holy. You're being made holy. You're, you're being changed. You're, you're, see, guys, catch this, catch this, all right? Because you once were, and I once was, you know, porn addict or liar or jealous or proud. Or, and, and I'm not saying I'm never proud anymore. I'm not saying I'm never jealous anymore. But that's who I was. That was my existence. And what he's saying is, I'm wooing you away. I'm pulling you away. I'm moving you away. I'm, I'm setting you apart. I'm removing from you those desires little bit by little bit. Well, Doug, why isn't it like all once one big shot? Well, sometimes it is. I mean, you usually hear those guys' testimonies up on the stage. The guy who says, oh, I was a drug addict. God healed me in a minute. Can God do that? Yes, absolutely. But most of the time, it's a process. It's a process. Well, why, Doug? Why, why can't it just be like you, you pray and you ask Jesus to be your Savior and you're why can't it just be all over right then? Like, why can't you just never sin? Why can't there ever be any temptation ever again? I think that the, the biggest reason is so that you continue to lean on him. You got to lean on him every moment. I mean, there's temptation all around you. I got to lean on Jesus now. I stumble sometimes. I got to go to Jesus for grace. It, it's to keep us in that relationship. I almost wonder if like we were saved and we became like superhero Christians and no longer were tempted, if we'd all just kind of go off and do our own thing. Maybe not even talk to God anymore. But some of you guys know that to survive as a Christian, you gotta, you gotta lean on him every second. You gotta be right near him. You gotta be right in step with him. And so it's his, it's his mercy and it's his grace, I think, to keep us close, to keep us near, to continue to work on us. But he's, I want to get this truth and I want you to understand this. He's setting you apart. The things in your life that you wish weren't a struggle anymore maybe one day, by God's grace, won't be a struggle anymore. He's trying more and more to separate your heart from those things. He's, he's changing your desires. He's changing your mindset. He's changing what attracts you. He's, he's at work in you. That's what it means that he's sanctifying. That's what it means that he's doing this in your life. David Montgomery says this, basically, sanctification is the process where we've been cleansed from sin and apart, or, and set apart for a really good use, and we should strive to live worthy of that noble calling. You see, what I want you to understand tonight is there's really two things going on here when it comes to sanctification. You see, God is doing something in the background of your life that you can't see. Okay? You, you, you don't like wake up in the morning and go, wow, God's sanctifying me today. Right? It, it's kind of like Christmas time. Uh, let's just say Thanksgiving through New Year's. I haven't felt it, but I've been getting fatter. <laughs> I haven't felt it. It's not like you're just sitting there and you're like, whoa, you know. But my scale says it's true. My waistline says it's true, right? It's this gradual process. You, don't eat, you just eat Thanksgiving and wake up next morning, you're like 400 pounds, right? It's this gradual, moment by moment, step by step process. And you see, God is doing that. And what I really want some of you guys to realize tonight is that he has been doing that. I want some of you guys to look back a year. 
I want you to look back two, or two years. Or those of you guys who have been Christians for a long time, look back five or ten years. And I want you to see how God's been changing you. See, like I said earlier, some of you guys don't realize it, but you've experienced God. He's been changing your life. You've been sitting around and you go, oh man, that guy got healed. Or man, God really spoke to that person. How come he never does that to me? Do you realize that if you are a different person than you were five years ago, you've experienced God? That he's been gradually, maybe it feels like you're just going along at a snail's pace. He's gradually separating you to be holy. Gradually separating you from your sin struggles. Will we be perfect on this earth? No. Will we be perfect someday? Yes, when we stand in his presence. But in every one of our lives, there should just be this gradual growth, this gradual maturing in our relationship with him where more and more we see him at work in our lives, at work in our hearts, removing from us these different struggles. My friend Seth, um, he spoke here a while back, my brother-in-law, and um, he used to have this real nice sports car before either of us were in the ministry and went poor. Uh, and we were... He was driving down or driving around, and um, it was Halloween, and he somebody nailed his car with an egg, right? And as we're driving, he he just I never forget. He just said, "I have a good mind to go back there and do something about this." And I said, "Seth, stay in the car. We're in South Huntington. They're going to kill us, you know. Just just stay in the car, right?" But but his famous line is always, "I'm not fully sanctified yet." Right? I've told you about that yet. He's like, I'll go back there. I'm not fully sanctified yet, man. Watch out. I'm like, you're all talk, bro. Stay in the car, right? Let's go get some cheesesteaks. Chill out, right? But, but he's, he's absolutely right. He's not fully sanctified yet. Fully holy yet. Fully perfect yet. That day is coming. But I want you to see. I want you to, to see not only that it's coming, but that probably many of you have already started to experience the fact that he is setting you apart. That he is changing your life. That he is making you different. Now, that's kind of the first thing that's going on here. Is that God is doing this thing in the backstory of your life and just like me getting on the scale it takes time to realize what's been going on but there's another part of it and that other part of it is is that he wants you to partner with him he wants you to say okay i see that you're making me holy god i see that you're at work in my life and i, and I am different and you're starting to change me and you're changing my desires and you're changing my habits and you're changing the way that i think but but i want to partner with you i want to be holy god and the Old Testament tells us in Leviticus to sanctify ourselves. And the New Testament doesn't use that word, but it gives us the same picture. Look at what it says in 1 Peter. It says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. So what's sanctification? It's to be set apart as holy. So what's Peter telling us here? He's saying, partner with God. Work with God. You see, I think sometimes we kind of just sit back and it's like, all right, God, you better do something. You better change me. Now, that's huge. It's true, partly. But he doesn't just want us sitting back. He wants us actively pursuing holiness. He wants us actively partnering with him. Now, I, I want to show you a little bit of an image here because I want you to get this right. I don't want you to see, think I'm saying something I'm not, okay? So let's just say we got this upside-down pyramid here. Uh, and let's say it, it's all trickle-down effect here, all right? Sanctification is on the bottom. It's the end result, okay? Now, up on top, we have God's grace. So there's God's grace. 
And God's grace, if it's not trickling down into our lives and causing this to happen, then nothing happens. All right? There is no sanctification apart from God's grace. There is no holiness apart from God's grace. On the right side of the pyramid, let's say, all right, that is God sanctifying you. This is the invisible backstory stuff you don't realize until you get on the scale until after New Year's Day, right? Okay? This is the stuff you're like, wow. This is the stuff you look back and you go, oh my gosh, I didn't even notice what's happening and God's been changing me. This is when you read your journal for like five years later and you're like, I can't believe I struggled with that so much and look what God's done in my life and you didn't even realize it. This is the part that's just totally Him, the backstory of your life. On the other side of that triangle is me partnering with God. It's me saying, all right, God, I realize jealousy is an issue in my life. And so rather than just sitting here and uh, just sort of waiting for you to do something about it, I recognize, God, that you are doing stuff I can't see. You're, you're at work in ways I, I can't imagine. And I'm thankful for that. But, but God, I want you to know that I'm in. That, that I'm in here to partner with you. I'm in here to say, God, I want to pursue holiness. I want to pursue being changed when it comes to this struggle in my life. And so... What I want you to see is that without God's grace trickling down, you cannot partner with God. You, you just can't. There's no enabling. You, like, you, and if you're not relying on God's grace, then you'll be doing what I was doing when I was younger in trying to earn God's grace or trying to do something in my own power. And so what this looks like is this beautiful partnership with God. It all starts with God's grace. He's sanctifying you behind the scenes, apart from anything you can do. And yet also he wants you to be partnering with him and saying, God, I want to pursue holiness. There should be something in us as the Holy Spirit's working in our lives. It's one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to convict us. And so that we're seeing and saying, man, I, I want to change. I don't want to stay the same. I, I don't want to be here in a year. I don't want to be here in six months. I don't want to be here next month, God. And so we're praying and we're crying out to God. And we're saying, God, free me. We're, we're going to scripture. And we're learning more and more about our relationship with God and what it looks like to overcome certain sin struggles. We're, we're getting accountability partners and, and being real with each other. We're joining discipleship groups or community groups and being real with each other. And we're partnering with God in this process of sanctification. And we're doing all we know to do empowered by God's grace. And so I want to encourage you tonight because I can look back to my middle school and high school years and I can remember all that porn stuff. And I can tell you that by God's grace and not one ounce of credit goes to me, but for 15 years, that's not been an issue in my life by God's grace because he's been sanctifying me. And because by his grace, I've been partnering with him and saying, God, I, I, I just give you that area of my life. I, I'm going to keep on going to you. I'm going to keep on trusting you. I'm going to keep on believing God that you can set me free from this, that you can give me all that I need. And I want you guys to have hope tonight. Some of you guys are in here going, I'm just done. The rest of my life, that's me. Defined, I'm owned. It's my identity. It's my existence. And I'm here to tell you tonight, that's not the truth. That he's washed you. And he's sanctifying you. He's setting you apart. And he wants you to partner with him. Some of you guys, it's jealousy. Some of you guys, it's fear. Some of you, it's anger. It's gossip. It's greed. It's idolatry. It's all kinds of addiction. And I want you to know tonight that you have a God who's working to sanctify you, set you apart as holy for his purposes. And he's really, truly doing it. I can look back at legalistic Doug from my 20s and I can see all that God's done. As I look in the rearview mirror of my life, I can see all that God has done 
by his grace to continue to work a new Doug. And it's all because of salvation. It's all because of what Jesus has done. And so tonight, those things that define you, those things that you are known for, can I tell you that he is at work in you? That is a part of your salvation. It's not like you, you know, supersize your salvation and get the sanctification on the side, you know? Like that is a part of your salvation. You're not saved and without this. And so he's doing it. And so if you believe tonight, man, God's my father, he's adopted me and he's, you know, chosen me, enabled me to choose him and all these great things that we've talked about over these past few weeks, then you need to know that he is also doing this. And so what I want to encourage you to do is I want to encourage you to, to partner with him. And I also want to encourage you to celebrate the wins. To celebrate the things that God has done in your life already. I want you, I want you to look long term though. Okay, I know we always like short term and real quick change and all that good stuff. But you know what? That might be some of our story and that's great. But for many of us, this is just going to be a step-by-step process and he's going to day by day, lovingly, caringly, continue to say, all right, come on, a little bit to the left. All right, a little bit, a little bit more. Wean us off that. Move us away from those things. And I want you to celebrate the long-term wins. And I want you to look back on the last year of your life, the last two years of your life, however long it's been, and I want you to say, what has God done? What has God done? Because if you're saved, then, like I said, you can't separate Him setting you apart and making you holy. And so you should be able to look back on your life and say, wow. Wow, all right, I, I know, I know, I got some, I got a ways to go here. God's, God's working on me in a lot of ways. But I can see this. I can see that. And what, what you can then do is celebrate that you've experienced God. That he has truly been at work in your life and that you are a different person. Think about it this way. Maybe what you were labeled as in high school is no longer who you are in college. God's done a work in you. Maybe what you were in middle school is no longer what you are in high school. God's done a work in you. Maybe what you were in college or, or early career and now you're later and you get, you're married or you have kids and, and you're not that person anymore. You know what? It's because God's done a work in you. I, I can see it in many of your lives. I, I mean, I can, I'm not going to do it. I'm, you know, Matt, come up here. Let's talk about your old sins and who you are now. I'm just kidding. All right? Everyone got real nervous there. Wow. <laughs> Throw the harpoon at Doug. Um, you know what? I, I, it's one of the best parts of my job is that I get to see what God is doing in your lives. I get to see how he's changing you. And you know what's cool is some of you guys once in a while come up to me and say, Man, I've really seen you grow in this area or that area. I've seen God do something new in you. I've seen God, you know, change this about you or that about you. And so we see it in each other because we're all being worked on by his grace. And so I want you to leave with hope tonight. And I want you to leave partnering with God, realizing that, all right, maybe you were once defined by those things. But if you are in a relationship with Jesus, then that's not who you're defined by anymore. You're defined by him, by the fact that he washed you. And he's setting you apart to be holy. Will you partner with him? Will you celebrate the long-term wins? Will you look back over the last several years of your life and see how God's been doing this? And will you celebrate your salvation? Because he is, he is at work in you. And he is setting you apart to be holy. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful to you for the things you've been doing in our lives. And 
God, we just come to you tonight realizing that apart from you, apart from your grace, we're just nothing. And we thank you, God, that you um, have an amazing way about you to say, all right, I'm going to be at work in you, and yet I want you in on this. I want you partnering with me. God, we thank you that you desire for us to lean on you. We thank you that your grace is huge, that your forgiveness is tremendous. And Lord, we just pray now that you be with us tonight. If you're a Christian, would you just take the next minute and would you partner with God? Start now. Say, God, pride's my issue. Jealousy's my issue. Porn's my issue. Anger's my issue. Whatever it might be. And God, I want to partner with you. I want to pursue holiness. God, I know you're doing things in the background of my life that if you didn't do them, that I would never be holy. I would never be set apart from these struggles. But God, because you are, then I'm choosing to partner with you. Just bring them to him. Name them. You know what? If it's going to take you from now to the end of the prayer time to name each one, then great. Here's your night. Let's start it. But the truth is, those things don't define you. He died to set you free. So if you're a Christian, just ignore me now. Spend that time with God. If you're not a Christian, I just want you to know his love tonight. He wants to do this in your life. And I want you to realize tonight that, that maybe what you've heard your whole life is clean yourself up, then come to God. And the reality is, is that's impossible. And he wants nothing more than for you to just enjoy a relationship with him. And then he will do the work cleaning you up, just like he's still cleaning me up. Still working on my heart, still working on my mind, still trying to help me get past certain things. He, he wants to do that for you. But see, the beautiful thing is, is while this whole process of, of kind of making us more like him is a lifetime journey, salvation is an instant. He will adopt you as his own. Your sins forgiven. Your shame erased. No more labels. Except him. Just him. Now he defines you. Now he labels you as his own. And so if you want to begin a relationship with him, you can just pray something like this tonight in response to him and what he's doing in your heart. Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for rising from the dead. Forgive me for my sin. I thank you for what you did on the cross. I thank you that you took my place. I thank you for your grace. And help me now to know what it is to be in a relationship with you, to love you, and to learn more and more how to live like you.